God is not looking for daughters who strive and strive and strive to do and do and do and be and be and be. Uh, He's looking for daughters who are willing to just be still and to sit and allow him to work in and through us. Hey friends, I'm Ryan Channel, a grateful believer in Jesus Christ, encouraging other women to seek and know God and grow a deeper relationship with Him. Welcome to Wellness and the Word, a podcast helping Christian women create ultimate mental and physical wellness through meditating on God's Word to renew our minds, learning how to apply His truth to our lives, and taking care of our bodies the way He intends us to. My love for Jesus and my passion for wellness as a holistic health coach collide in this podcast that shares the gospel. Gospel literally means good news, friends. Don't we need more of that in today's world? I believe we all have a God-shaped hole in our hearts, and I want to point you to the only one who can fill it. Come join me and be encouraged as we chat about God's love and how to take care of you. Hey everyone, it's Ryan. Welcome to Wellness and the Word. And I'm really excited that you're here because I have an incredible interview for you today. I am interviewing Erica Wiggenhorn, who is an author, and we're chatting about her new book. We also talk about imposter syndrome, striving instead of surrendering, which of course we want to surrender and not strive, right? That's what her book is all about. We talk about believing in God and demolishing the lies of the enemy with God's truth. We talk about self-doubt and the tie between self-doubt and self-sufficiency. We talk about trusting God and just what that means, what that looks like. It's not so easy as a one, two, three, you know, do this, do that. It's, It's so much bigger than that. We talk about how we wrestle with the goodness of God's character, but why it's important to believe in his goodness. And we talk about how God equips us and we don't get the glory in that. We can't do it on our own. It's not like, hey, you girl, you got this. No, it's about God and it's about him helping us and him equipping us. So it was an incredible interview and I absolutely loved it. When I went back to listen through it and do some editing, I was just like, wow, that was so good. Erica is absolutely incredible. And I want to let you know to stay through the whole interview because at the very end, we are going to do a book giveaway so you can get Erica's new book into your hands. So stay until the end so I can give you the details on how to get entered for that giveaway. Well, hey everyone, it's Ryan. Welcome to Wellness and the Word. I am so excited because I have Erica Wiggenhorn with me today on the podcast. Erica writes Bible studies and teaches biblical principles for life change. She's passionate about God's Word and its ability to transform us personally, along with our relationships. Welcome, Erica. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you today, Ryan. I'm so excited too. So you are about to release your fourth book, which is so awesome. It's called Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck and How Surrender Sets You Free. I love that title. So will you tell us a little bit about it? Yes. Uh, So this book was really born uh, in my 
part uh, many years ago. Uh, I was that that girl that always felt like she had to be perfect and she had to meet everybody else's expectations and make everyone else happy and be the perpetual peacemaker and never have anybody upset with her. Uh, just the ultimate people pleaser to the end, very perfectionistic about my performance and pretty much lived my life in just this constant season of striving to feel like I was going to be enough and not let other people down, not let God down, uh, not let my family down. And it really came to a head in my life um, right after my first book was published, which, you know, is ironic. You think, oh, Bible study teacher, surely like she's moved, she's moved past all of her issues. Ha. Uh, we are always a work in progress. Yes. And um, I was heading back to Chicago with another author friend of mine who also had her first book just recently published at Moody Publishers in Chicago. And we were in the hotel room and we were putting on our coats to catch a cab to head over to Moody Publishers. And it was the first time I was actually going to meet the whole team at the publishing house. I had only met my uh, one editor up to this point and I was going to meet the, you know, the marketing team and the publicist and the VP of publishing and the sales team and, you know, all the people behind the scenes. And as I was putting on my coat, I just, I started to like shake and I, I started sweating and I looked at my friend and I was like, I can't go like, tell them I'm sick. Like I, I can't, I can't go in there. Like I'm going to go in there and, and they're going to take one look at me and they're going to know they made like the hugest mistake publishing my book and they're going to shred my next contract. And this is going to be a disaster. Like I I can't go in there. I'm going to mess this all up. And she just kind of cocked her head to one side and she looked at me and she goes, Oh my gosh. Like, you have imposter syndrome. And I was like, imposter syndrome, what's imposter syndrome? And she's like, Google it. So in my shaking hand, I pull out my phone and I type in imposter syndrome and my face popped up. No, I'm not, I'm just kidding. Not really. But but I started reading all of the traits of imposter syndrome and it was me to a T. And I, she was like, listen, she's like that is a lie from the enemy. She's like, you put your phone in your pocket, you button up that coat and you march out this door right now. We are going to Moody Publishers. You're going to meet the team. They're going to love you as much as I do. And it's going to be a great day. And my friend uh, doesn't take no for an answer. So we went to Moody Publishers (laughs) and I got through the day. Um, But as we came back to the hotel that evening after just spending a whole afternoon there and having dinner with all the team and it was, it what should have been Ryan, just an incredible, joyous celebratory visit for something that was a, a dream come true to have my first published book. As I laid my head on the pillow that night, I realized I, I was, my stomach was in knots and I was nervous and anxious the entire day. And God just Mm -hmm. whispered to me in my heart. And he was like, you know what? When when are we going to deal with this? 
because you are completely letting this rob you of all joy of any success that I give you any blessing that I bestow upon you you're it the joy is being robbed when are we going to deal with this and I remember as I laid there in bed that night like the tears just started to fall down my face and I just said now Lord like now I'm not going to let the enemy ruin every good thing that you give me because I have this lie that is rooted in my heart and I knew um that this would become a book. And the more I talk to women, the more I hear them saying the same thing. Like, I, I just feel like I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough mom. I'm not a good enough wife. I'm not a good enough Christian. I'm not a good enough friend. I'm not a good enough homemaker. I'm not a good enough, um, you know, worker at my job. Um, we just live in this perpetual feeling of like failure is waiting for us around every corner. And it's, it's a lie of the enemy and we need to, we need to silence it. Yes. Oh my goodness. That is so incredible. I absolutely love that story, Erica, because I was thinking of John 10, 10, when you were speaking, the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. And he does that in so many ways, but I think especially in, in our minds, right. And, and trying to tell us those lies that we're not enough and in keeping us in fear. And wow, I just love to the image of God just speaking into your life. Like, when are we going to deal with this daughter? Let me help you because I want you to live in full joy and in full confidence. And that only comes through Jesus Christ. So I just loved that visual. And I just get goosebumps when I think of just what a good father is. He shows up for us. And if we will listen and speak his truths over our lives and, you know, just demolish the lies of the enemy with God's truth. It changes everything. So how exciting that he has spoken this book through you. And I'm so excited to check it out, Erica. Oh, amen. You know, one of the, one of the telltale signs of imposter syndrome or just this whole idea of striving um, versus living in surrender is isolation. We have a tendency to isolate. And, um, you know, in our day and age, that's super easy to do. I can put one image out there for the world to see on my, you know, on my Instagram and my other social media platforms. And I can post all these pictures of my family and uh, tell you all these great things that are happening in my life. And then you know, on the inside, when I'm all alone, there's a whole other life happening. There's a whole other, whole other series of thoughts and emotions that are running through my head and heart. And I think that for many of us, we've just come to accept that we just think that that's the way life is. Um, But one of the things that I've really learned is those subtle whispers of the enemy, those subtle little lies that he's constantly whispering in our ears and and in our hearts, those subtle whispers shout most loudly when we're alone. And, And you talk about this so often on your podcast, and I love it. You talk about the importance of community and having other Christians in our corner And that's really a huge part of the surrendered life is just saying, um, you know what, I'm not perfect. 
Uh, there's areas of my life where maybe by the world's standards of perfection, I'm not enough. Um, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I don't wear the same size pants I wore at 15 that I, you know, that I wore when I was 18. Um, but you know, there are, there are going to be areas of our lives where we are not measuring up because the world tells us constantly that we have to be perfect. Um, but that's okay. Uh, we can still live the surrendered life because at the end of the day, our father loves us and he is well-pleased with us. And he says that we are chosen and accepted and beloved and adopted. And because of all of those things, we don't have to live in this fear of what other people think of us all the time. Thank God for that. I just, I love that you said, you know, chosen, adopted. And those are the things that when I say to speak those over your life, really, that's, that's so powerful to look at scripture and to know who God says you are and what God says you are and not let the world tell you who you are. So what are some signs that you are striving at a place of fear rather than just working with passion in the roles that you're fulfilling, whether it is in a relationship or a responsibility that you hold. Yeah. So isolating is the one is one sign. Um, I already talked about that one. So another sign that we'll begin to see in our lives is just this feeling of uh, needing to hyper control. So, you know, we have to have things a certain way all the time. And if they're not that way, you know, we fall apart. So if our kid, you know, is misbehaving out in public, you know, we're, we just completely freak out because we're so worried about what other people are going to think as, as our three-year-old is throwing a tantrum on the grocery store floor, like every other three-year-old in the history of humanity <laughs> forever has <laughs> thrown fits on the floor in the grocery yes. store, but we want to hyper control everything. So we want to control how our kids behave. We want to control how we look. We want to control um, the way our home looks. We want to, uh, uh, any, if we're serving somewhere, say we're serving at church and we just have this need to just hyper control and micromanage everyone and everything that is a big, big sign of striving. That is not a surrendered life to be able to say, um, you know what, I'm going to let people do the best they can. I'm going to let people be the best they can be. And even if it doesn't meet my expectations, that's okay, because probably tomorrow I might not meet their expectations. Um, so that's another big sign is hyper controlling. And the last sign really is fear, just this constant fear of, you know, what if this falls apart? What if it doesn't work out? What are people going to think of me? What are people going to think of our family? What are people going to say behind my back? What are um, all of these fearful what ifs of possibilities that probably aren't even ever going to come to pass? but we stress ourselves out over the possibilities. Um, that is another big, big sign of striving. And, you know, the reality is, and, and what we really need to understand is that, you know, when Jesus talks about the abundant life, for example, and he talks about rivers of living water flowing through us, um, he is the living water. And really, 
when you think about water flowing through something, that something doesn't really do a whole lot except for just exist and be in one place for the water to pass through. And God is not looking for daughters who strive and strive and strive to do and do and do and be and be and be. Uh, He's looking for daughters who are willing to just be still and to sit and allow him to work in and through us. And um, that that's hard for us. That's hard for us to feel like uh, we don't have to be the one to make it all work out. Uh, trusting Jesus that he will be enough and he will accomplish what he wills to accomplish in this situation and in this relationship. That's the surrendered life. Oh, that is so good. Wow. And because I think we do think that a lot, like if I do this, God will do this, right? Like he needs Mm -hmm. me to do all these things first and then, but it's like, he's like, calm down. Yeah. Be still. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I tell people when they say like, how can I cultivate that deeper relationship with God? Well, you need to spend time with him. You need to be still and listen to what he has to say, read your Bible to know what he has to say and, and be still so that maybe you'll get those Holy spirit nudges and just realize that he's always there. He's always going to guide you. And it's just, it's so cool when we do start to let God take the will and realize we are not in control because I think we all struggle with control with in some form or fashion, right? Whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our home, whether it's with our weight. And it's just such a big, and I think it has to do with the world though, because the world tells us that we have to do more. We have to be more, we have to do it all on our own. And it's just so contrary to what God says and who God is in our lives when we give him that power back. But it's really cool when you start to see him actually um, transform you in the way that you do think differently. So even today, I have this example where I responded in fear to something when I could have responded with like excitement and joy and putting my trust in God. And instead I was thinking of all the what ifs, right? And we just get ahead of ourselves and we think of things that might not even happen. And we see that in people all throughout the Bible as well. Moses, in fact, was one of the greatest self-doubters in the Bible. So what can Moses teach us about trusting God? Because I think the trust part is the intangible part sometimes, right? Trusting in God. Sure. That that sounds so abstract and huge, doesn't it? Like I'm going to surrender to God. I'm going to trust God. Um, And so I think, first of all, what we have to do is we really have to back up and we have to say, okay, what is God calling me to trust him with right now, today, and realize that it's a process, right? I don't just cavalierly just hand over my whole life to God. Chances are, if, if you or I were to sit still for, you know, 10 seconds and think about okay, what is the one area of my life? What is the one, who is the one person or what is the one circumstance God is really calling me to trust him with? I don't think we'd have to spend a whole lot of time figuring out what that would be. We would know right away, right? Uh, you, You just said, even today, you know, there were, I know you knew exactly what God was calling you to trust him with. So I think that's the first thing we have to realize is when we talk about trusting God, like let's, let's get practical. Let's talk about 
okay, the one thing today God is calling you to trust him with. And as we trust him with that one thing, then we grow deeper in intimacy with him. And then we trust him with the next thing that comes our way and the next thing. And for then pretty soon, we've begun to develop this habit of being able to say, you know what? God has been so faithful all these times in the past, all these times in the past, he has come through all these times in the past. He has shown me that he loves me and he cares for me and he is trustworthy. And so then when a new thing arises in our life where we have to trust God, we've developed that habit of saying, okay, God, I'm terrified. Um, this is feels really out of control or really messy or The overwhelm feels huge right now, but you've been so faithful in the past. And so I'm going to trust you with this situation today. Um, So I think that's one of the biggest things. And when we look at Moses's life, uh, that's really what he did is he really trusted God um, with one situation at a time. And, and he went through a lot of situations. Oh my gosh, poor Moses. (laughs) Right. But. (laughs) It was one thing at a time. God literally gave him one direction at a time. He did not give Moses the whole entire plan. Uh, He was basically like each day, he was like, okay, today you're going to go into Pharaoh. This is what you're going to say. This is what's going to happen. This is how Pharaoh's going to react. And then this is what's going to happen next. And that was how. Moses developed that trust in God. It was just one thing at a time. But one of the things about Moses's life that I think we forget a lot, um, you know, everybody, when you say Moses, what do you think of when you think of Moses? Well, people will say like the 10 plagues, but mostly what they say is, well, he parted the Red Sea and the Israelites walked through on dry land. And it was this huge, huge miracle because the Bible talks about that moment in the life of the people of God a gazillion times throughout (laughs) scripture. So we naturally pair um, those two events together. Uh, But one of the things that we forget about Moses is that uh, he knew um, many, many years before God appeared to him in the burning bush, he knew in his heart that God had called him to be the deliverer of Israel. And he ran ahead of God and tried to, you know, he went out into where all the Israelites were working and he saw, um, you know, he saw an Egyptian overseer beating one of his Israelite brothers and he reacted in anger and he killed the Egyptian and he buried him in the sand. And he thought that in that moment, you know, all the people of Israel were going to rally around him and be like, hail, hail Moses, our deliverer, but they didn't. And Moses ended up fleeing and he experienced this epic, epic failure as the deliverer. And we forget about that part. We just want to focus on when the deliverance did finally happen, but he ran ahead of God. And this is why it's so important that we do develop that relationship with God and we do spend time with him because we might know in our heart, God is calling us to do something. Um, Moses knew that in his heart and he responded to that, but it wasn't the right time and he wasn't ready. 
And he didn't have the relationship with God that he needed in order to fulfill that call in his life. Because even 40 years later, when God appears to him, he's like, okay, so you're God. Um, what does that mean exactly? <laughs> you know, uh, he starts questioning God, you know, about, you know, who he is and, and what are you all about? And what is your name? And what is your function? And what is your mission? And um, so we have to know God. Um, and that comes from time in his word, just like you said, and being with other believers and helping, uh, allowing them to help us learn about God and learn about what it looks like uh, to have a relationship with him. Oh, yeah, I just love that. And I think I love that you made the point that we know these Bible stories and we usually just think of like the good stuff, right? Of when there was something grand and and good that happened, but we don't remember all those other things that led up to it and the failure that they did feel and the ways that they tried to strive without God and do it their own way, thinking that, well, I got to help God, but it's really more about listening to him and his nudges and his calling towards us instead of trying to figure it out on our own. And we do that a lot. And I've had that feeling recently of like, I, I cannot move until God tells me like, if, if I'm doing these things on my own, planning these things on my own, but I'm not even consulting God, that's not how this is supposed to work. So it's really interesting. So in the Bible, when Moses suffered from self-doubt, how did God respond to him? And how did God want Moses to respond? Yeah, oh, that's such a great question, Ryan. So, you know, it's so interesting. I see so much of this happening now in Christian circles and, and it's all well-intentioned, but there's a lot of this whole like, oh, you've got this girl and, and you can do this and you can do anything because Jesus is with you. You have everything you need. And and we do have everything we need in Jesus. That's not necessarily a bad message. The problem becomes is that then we get so focused on two things. One, we get focused on ourselves, right? It's so that when we start looking inside of ourselves, well, well do I have what it takes? And and do I have the right skill set? And am I passionate enough to, to grind this out when it gets tough? Uh, so we start looking at ourselves. And then two, we start looking at other people for affirmation and approval in order to move forward. So we're, you know, we're constantly looking around, waiting for, you know, our friend or our coworker or our buddy at the gym or whatever to be like, you caught this girl, you can do this, you can do this. And what's so fascinating to me is, you know, you talked about Moses being the greatest self-doubter in the Bible and, you know, God appears to Moses in the burning bush and he's like, okay, so, you know, that whole deliverance plan that, you know, you had 40 years ago and it was an epic disaster and you kind of blew it because you didn't really do it my way. Um, we're going to do that again. And Moses starts arguing with God, right? He's like, well, you know, what, who am I to do that? And, you know, I'm not, you know, I don't speak well. And, you know, I don't really even know you, God. And he starts giving God all of these reasons why he's not the guy. And what's interesting to me in that passage is he, God does not do at all what we do in saying, oh, yes, you're so the guy, Moses. I mean, like, 
look at look at your life experience. I mean, like you speak fluent Egyptian and you were raised in an Egyptian court. So you understand Egyptian religion and, you know, you're you're related to Pharaoh. So, you know, you've kind of got the ins there and, you know, all the ins and outs of uh, Egyptian warfare and government. You've been wandering around the Sinai Peninsula for 40 years. So, you know, the best route to lead the Israelites out of here. I mean, God could have been like giving Moses all of these attaboys and all the reasons why Moses was the perfect guy for the job. But God doesn't do any of that. He doesn't give Moses one single prop. He's just basically like, okay, I hear you, but um, I'm God (laughs) and I am going to go with you, Moses. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with you. My presence will go with you the whole way. And I will be the one to deliver the people. And I will be the one to finish what I start. And I will be the one to do it. And when it's all said and done, Moses, you and I are going to stand right back here in this very place because I am the faithful God who keeps my promises and accomplishes all that I will. And I will for my people to be free. And so this is, you know, this is a huge life lesson for us because when God calls us to something, no matter what it is, whether it's a job or a volunteer position at, uh, in our community or at church or a new position at work, um, or marriage or motherhood or whatever God may call us to, God doesn't ever sit us down in front of a mirror and say, okay, look inside yourself and look at all of the past experiences of your life and count up all the reasons why I chose you for this job. God doesn't ever do that. He just basically says, I'm God, I'm going with you and I will do it. I just want you to be with me as my daughter, as my child, come on this journey with me and watch what I will do if you will abide with me. I mean, what freedom is that? Like, (laughs) I don't have to worry about the outcome. I just have to follow my father. Um, That's hugely freeing. Yes. Oh, I just loved that. Wow, Erica, that was such a really incredible mindset shift for us because we do think, okay, God's calling me to do this. How am I going to do it? And it's like me, 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 me. And it's all about me. And in, in our circle, sometimes we can kind of help each other puff up our chest and like, you know, you, you got this, but it's like, wait a minute. Wow. That was just so neat. We don't have to worry. We can take the pressure off of ourselves because God is going to be with us. And if he calls us to it, he will help us every step of the way if we listen and if we obey and we don't try to do it our own way. Wow. That yeah. was, that was well, really, really good. And it takes all the pressure off all of our friends, right? Because mm-hmm. now we're not in this position of this, of neediness with all of our friends to constantly assure us and affirm us that we can do what God is asking us to do. Right. Um, because we're, we're surrendered. We're like, okay, God, you, you said it, you called me to this. I'm going to trust you to finish what you start. I'm going to trust you to be the same God to me that you were to thousands of people across thousands of years 
uh, as demonstrated in your word. You are that same God today as you were yesterday and the same God you will be forever as scripture tells us. So it's hugely freeing in all of our relationships because then I'm looking to God for my affirmation and not everyone around me to constantly say, you got it, girl, you got it, you got this. Yeah, that's really good. Especially, you know, if you know your love languages, one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So I do thrive on that, but I have to check myself sometimes and knowing that God sees me and God is proud of me and approves of me. And if I'm doing what he's saying, then he is very, um, very proud of me. And I don't need to rely on other people's words or feedback or, you know, wondering what other people are thinking about me if I'm, if I'm doing it God's way. So what are some practical ways that we can cease in striving in fear and surrender instead in faith? Such a good question and such a hard one to answer because everybody wants step one, two, three, and voila, uh, I'm surrendered now, right? Um, And that's, that's just not the way God works. You know, we even see that in Moses's life. It was such a process to bring Moses to that place of surrender. And, um, you know, there's, there's such a huge uh, tie between self-doubt and self-sufficiency. When we're trying to do things on our own, this is when all of this self-doubt uh, comes and floods over us. But when we're surrendered, uh, we don't ha- we don't worry about ourselves so much because we realize that God is bigger than all of that. And so, two things I think really uh, become pivotal in living the surrendered life. The first one is embracing the greatness of God's capabilities. And I think most people that call themselves Christians, fo- who follow Jesus, who love God. Um, we don't really wrestle a whole lot with, can God do this? Is he capable to do this? I think most of us say, well, I know God can do anything. Where we really begin to get hung up, Brian, is um, we will say things or think things because we don't want to admit them out loud is say, well, I know God can do anything, but will he be good on my behalf? Will he Will he do it for me? Uh, and so what? where we really wrestle is with the goodness of God's character. We, we have no trouble wrapping our mind around the greatness of his capabilities. But when we start thinking about the goodness of his character, is he really good? Will he be good in this situation? Uh, will he be enough for me if the answer is no, or he doesn't respond to my prayer or what I so deeply desire in the way that I want him to, will he still be good? And will he still be enough? That's where we begin to get hung up because we, we question God's character. And what we have to put together is that an understanding of someone's character that always happens in the context of a relationship. I can't know someone's heart. I can't know someone's true colors, if you will, or their true character, unless I have a relationship with them. I have to know them. And this is why uh, spending time with God in prayer, in his word, um, with other believers, talking about 
God and who he has been in their lives and, and sharing testimonies of when God has been so faithful becomes so, so powerful. There's no shortcut to developing any kind of relationship, right? I, I, whether it's a dating relationship that you have to put in the time, right? Once you're married, you've got to put in the time. Uh, with your kids to to connect with their hearts, you've got to put in the time. And it's the same way with God. Uh, he wants our heart. He doesn't want our worship outside of a relationship. He wants our heart. And so if we're going to be able to trust God's character, we have to be intentional about getting to know him. And I, you know what I loved? One of the things that you said on, on your podcast, I, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, but you were talking about how we have to know God um, and who he says he is in his word rather than just embracing, um, you know, rather than just embracing what a sinful human being has shown us what God is like, we have to go to God himself. Mm -hmm. And I think, um, I think that's where a lot of our inability to trust really trust God's goodness really comes from because we see other people who say that they love God and they don't necessarily always act in a good and kind and faithful and loving way. And so then we put that on our, our perfect, holy, um, heavenly father. And that's not who he is. Um, he is altogether other than humanity and he is good and perfect and kind and compassion compassionate, um, through all things. Um, and so we have to spend time with him and I love, you know, one of my favorite moments in all of the Bible is Exodus 33, because in this moment, Aaron has completely betrayed Moses. Moses has gone up on the mountain to get the 10 commandments and the people are down below and Moses is left in charge. And, um, Basically, the people convince Moses to make the golden calf and uh, or convince Aaron to make the golden calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain and Aaron just like flat out lies to Moses's face and says, you know, I don't really know what happened, but like everybody just like took off all their gold bracelets and stuff and like threw it in the fire and this calf came out like. And plus Moses, like you were gone a long time. You left me with these crazy people for way too long. He makes it like (laughs) Moses's fault. Right. And I can't even imagine like the betrayal that Moses feels in this moment. Like, okay, you let me down. You disappointed me. You betrayed me. Now you're lying to me. And now you are insinuating on top of all of that, that it's my fault that you did all of these things. And right after that, Moses just like completely loses it with God. And he's basically like, you know what, God, like I'm done. I'm done with this assignment. This is way too hard. Just take my life. I'm out. Peace out of director of the Israelites. (laughs) Okay, I'm out. Camp director retired. And in that moment, he begs God, he says, show me your glory, which is essentially just saying, God, show me, show me your character. Show me who you really are. I've seen what you can do. I've watched you these last two years do miracle after miracle after miracle. I know your capabilities. I know what you can do. But right now in my devastation, 
I need to know who you are. Are you really good? And God's response in that moment, he basically says, okay, Moses, I'm going to tuck you in that rock. I'm going to cradle you in my almighty hand, and I'm going to cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you. Because he knew exactly what Moses needed to know. He needed to know if God was truly good. And I think that we're in, when we're in those situations where we're like, I want to surrender. I want to trust God with this. I want to believe that he has my best interest at heart when this is so hard right now. I want to believe that. Pray that same prayer of Moses. Show me your glory. Show me your goodness, God. I want to see your goodness. And And God passed by and showed Moses all of his goodness and said, you know, I am the gracious God abounding in love for a thousand generations, merciful and compassionate. All the things that Moses needed to know about God, that's exactly what God gave Moses of himself. And I think that honest prayer before God of saying, I just need to know who you are. I just need to see your goodness right now. God will honor that honest prayer. Oh my goodness, Erica. Yes. And amen. Oh, I have so much to say. God is so good that he will, that he will honor that and he will show us. And it's so important to ask those things of him, right? Like we can't just stand back and and wonder, but we get to talk to him. We get to have that relationship. We get to ask him for help. And I think that's where we get lost sometimes is again, we're trying to strive and do it on our own, when we could simply ask our good father for help and he will help us. And wow, you were just speaking my language that whole time because I have been, it's so interesting. And this is what I love about God is that he will keep bringing these messages. I was just, I just did a podcast interview for someone else. And that was what came to heart for me was about God's character and how important it is to know God's character. And we only get to know that through having a relationship with him. You know how passionate I am about helping people understand how important it is to have that personal relationship with him. And the thing is that God is the only one who is all knowing. So even when things don't work out in the way that we think or the way that we wanted, you know, on this side of heaven, we never will know all of the ways that God worked together things for our good, right? We just simply won't know, but there is so much and he is doing so much on our behalf all the time. And um, I just love that depiction that you gave of what God did for Moses. And he is just such a brilliant, loving, good father that can be trusted, but it really is about asking him to help us trust him more. Like sometimes we actually, we literally need his help to come closer to him, like to have the discipline to spend time with him every day, right? God, help me spend 10 minutes with you every morning. Help me create that habit. God, help me understand what the Bible is saying in this passage. And that's the thing. He is just so faithful that he will always, always show up for us. Amen. Uh, Amen. So good. Thank you for sharing that. I'm just like, whoo, all the feelings. That was so awesome. <laughs> so Erica, uh, I could talk to you all day, but um, where can everyone connect with you and where, when and where can they get your book? 
Yes. So uh, the easiest place to connect with me is on my website. It's just ericawigginhorn.com. You know, maybe you were that person out there and you're saying, you know what I do, I want to grow in my relationship with God. And I, I just, I don't know how, um, I, I struggle to read my Bible. Uh, I understand that if you knew my whole testimony, you would know how much I understand that. But if you go on my website at ericawigginhorn.com, um, I have a, f- I have three free eBooks on there. Um, the busy Wim- woman's guide to uh, connecting with God. And one of the things that I have on there is a free ebook on 50 days to grow closer in your intimacy with God. And so if some of what Ryan and I were sharing here, you're like, that's me. I want to grow closer to God. I just don't know how. Um, Hop on over to my website, download those free eBooks and just start there. Um, another ebook that is on there for free in that bundle is um, the busy woman's guide to praying for friends and family. So maybe you struggle to read your Bible. Maybe you struggle to pray. Um, Go grab those two free, free resources. Um, They'll they'll walk you through it and help you start developing that habit. Like I talked about. Um, And then as far as my book on Moses with letting God be enough, why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free. You can get that uh, also on my website, or you can just go to get Erica's book.com. It's, Erica with a C. So get ericasbook.com and it will tell you all about the book and all of the different places that you can pre-order it. And there's some pretty cool stuff you get for free if you pre-order it before it releases. So go check that out. And uh, yeah, I'd love to connect with you. Amazing. I can't wait to go get those free eBooks. They sound absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for that resource and definitely go check out Erica's website to get those free resources and order her book, letting God be enough. Why striving keeps you stuck and how surrender sets you free. Thank you so much, Erica. I loved talking to you and we're going to have to have you come back on and share your testimony. Cause I'd love to hear more about it. <laughs> I would love to share. So- Yes. I get the, the Bible reading struggle. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. It's a big catalyst behind why I started writing Bible studies is is just to help people understand the word and not make it so overwhelming. So yes, Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Ryan. Okay, friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you loved it. Erica was so insightful and just full of wisdom. I just loved talking at her and making this connection with her. And I'm really excited because she wants to do a book giveaway here on the podcast for my listeners, which is such a blessing. So if you are interested in entering the giveaway to get Erica's book, Letting God Be Enough, Why Striving Keeps You Stuck, and How Surrender Sets You Free. All you need to do to enter the giveaway is take a screenshot of this episode and tag Erica and I on Instagram. My handle is at Ryan Channel and Erica's is at Erica Wiggenhorn. Tag us on social media and if you're not on Instagram, you can still add it to your Facebook story. Wherever you share that, whether it's your stories or a post on your feed, let me know. Send me a screenshot and we will enter you into the giveaway, which will end next Wednesday, July 14th. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for listening to Lana Send the Word. May you be blessed and always be a blessing. Bye! 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Wellness and the Word. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, it would mean so much to me if you would leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts and either take a screenshot and share it on your social media or take a screenshot and share it with a friend. Spread the love. It would mean so much. 